Hey everyone, welcome to Jane Austen Culture Night. I'm Laurel. Um, Akina is taking a break this week, and this is a bonus episode for you. I got to have a really amazing conversation with Kathleen Bell about the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Uh, so this was the uh, web series that launched in 2012. It is a web series adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Uh, it was a really fun series. And at the time, it was a multimedia experience where the characters, they had a YouTube channel, and then each character had their own social media accounts that you could follow. It became a really big sensation online for those of us who followed it. So um Kathleen also grew up in the Unification Church. We knew each other in uh, the New Jersey community when she used to live here. Uh, so it was really great to catch up with her and really fun to fangirl about the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. There are spoilers in this episode for LBD and Pride and Prejudice in general. So if you want to go and watch the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, if you haven't before and you don't want any spoilers, go pause this podcast watch it now. Just search for it on YouTube. You'll find a bunch of playlists <laughs> and then come back and fangirl with us after. Um, but if you don't care about the spoilers and are, or are already a big fan, then come join us. We have a lot of fun talking about this really fun series. And um, Kathleen is so smart and has so many great insights. And uh, it was just a lovely, lovely conversation. So I hope you all enjoy it. Akina will be back next week and we'll be reading more of our chapters. But uh, uh, we hope you, I hope you have a lovely holiday. This is uh, for anyone in the US this is coming out around the Thanksgiving holidays. So enjoy this as your little holiday treat. All right, so let's do this. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Laurel, as you know, and today we have a very special guest, uh, Kathleen. Would you like to introduce yourself? I will try. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, Laurel, thank you for, for sharing the, this space with me. It's I've been listening for a while, and it's nice to now beyond this side of things, which is super different, but well, for, for one, I don't have to react to things by myself. I get to actually react <laughs> to someone instead of being in my car or anyway, your question was, who am I <laughs> <laughs> coming back to that? I'm Kathleen, Kathleen Bell. And, um, I am recording this from Switzerland. I'm currently living in Switzerland, although I'm from the U S I'm from not exactly the same place as you, Laurel, but pretty darn close. And yeah, that's where we kind of knew each other from is the mm -hmm. New Jersey community. That's yeah. right. Um, <laughs> I had the, I, without really trying, I was kind of like the little shadow behind you all <laughs> because unintentionally you and I both ended up liking some similar things. We mm -hmm. were both into music and yeah, performing and then writing 
and now podcasting. So hi, it's me again. (laughs) (laughs) And thankfully you've been so gracious towards me the whole way. Like I never got the impression that I was this like annoying little, well, I mean, in the, in the church, which of course we were both, we were both from, Yeah, I was technically your little sister. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I was your, uh, what is it? Oni? Oni. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you, you did a good job. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, so we, we know each other from the New Jersey community when you used to live in New Jersey. And you grew up in New Jersey most of the, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, born and raised. And uh, yeah, and we were together uh, in that community and in the uh, infamous love and life period oh on stage. We could do a the whole podcast show. just on that experience. On all the juicy backstage <laughs> drama, right? Oh my God. I feel like we would get sued, honestly. Uh, I'd rather not. I'd rather not be sued. Thanks. So let's... Uh, Let's talk Jane Austen instead. That yeah, sounds- absolutely. So um, you reached out to me and, you know, just said that you were listening to the podcast and I don't know how it came. Oh, you said you were going to start working on your own podcast, which I'm oh, really yes. excited about. And you can tell us about later. Um, and uh, and then I said, you know, we're going to do some bonus episodes. If you ever want to come on and do something with us here, that'd be really fun. And then, you know, you can get practice for podcasting. And you mentioned that you wanted to talk about the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, which mm-hmm. is so much fun. Um, and I remember uh, that you and I were both watching it when it first came out. So uh, I'm really excited to talk about it with you. I am too. I, I, yeah, for me, it just seemed like a really natural fit for you guys because I love the way that you guys approach the text and you see and, and how you fangirl, but also like reflect deeply about Jane Austen just being a badass of her time <laughs> and, and creating these characters that are so relatable. And so it just seemed like a natural suggestion to say, well, Hey, why not look at this version from our, I'm inclined to say our era, our day and age. Although I think going back to it now, it, it felt ever so slightly less than before because now it's nine years old content and it's, it's aged a wee bit. It has. I was surprised at how much it aged when I looked back on it. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is this like two seconds ago. Oh, yeah. No, nine, yeah years. No. nine years. It's coming up on the, the 10 year anniversary in mm-hmm. 2022. So it launched in 2012, which, yeah, it that was a whole different era. The 2010s, <laughs> early mm-hmm. 2010s. There <laughs> was. Yeah, it feels like it totally. It feels like two seconds ago, and it feels like it was another, almost not even another chapter, but like practically another book. Yes. Of life. Yes. Um, yeah. So it, it it feels a little bit like a blast from the past, or like 
Not quite like those those like BuzzFeed articles that review stuff from the nineties. <laughs> not that bad. Um, I mean, bad. It's not that vintage. Yeah, nostalgic. Nostalgic. Yeah. It's the nostalgia is not that intense yet. Yeah, but it's getting there. It's it's there. <laughs> it's getting old. <laughs> It's okay. It's all right. I'm I'm still always older than you. So this is true. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) So we'll 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 make the most of it. We will. Um, So for anybody who hasn't ever seen the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, how would you sort of summarize it or describe it? Yeah. So the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, or when we're feeling a little bit short of breath, we can call it LBD. Yes. uh, (laughs) Is just a modern retelling of Pride and Prejudice. And the producers were Hank Green. Oh, shoot. Mm-hmm. Is it Hank Green or John Green? It's hey, Hank, It was right? Hank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hank Green from, from Vlogbrothers with John Green. Um, so only Hank Green was producing this one, <laughs> along with his collaborator, Bernie Sue. Yeah. Um, and they brought on a really great cast. And their main idea was to take this this novel and its premise and retell it on YouTube as well as with different forms of social media. So at the time, mainly Twitter and Facebook Mm -hmm. with a smattering of Pinterest um, and I don't know, Tumblr. I think they did have Tumblr. I was never on Tumblr though. So I missed out on that whole side, but I'm pretty sure they did have Tumblr too. Yeah. Yeah. So that 2010 era, social media um, yeah. to very slowly unfurl the story and to let little pieces poke up here and there so that these characters feel like they are really not that different from your Facebook friend or your Twitter friend contact. Yeah. yeah. Hello, Tweety. I'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> what the kids are calling it this <laughs> But um yeah, I, so uh, they they did this multimedia experience of the content, which I'm sure for those who are listening to the podcast in chronological order will get the significance of like how that could be leveraged for certain mm-hmm. dramatic parts of the story. Um, yeah, and it just made this immersive experience that uh, is is a fun little ride to go on. And if you feel like binging it, it takes what three days. Some, yeah, it depends on how committed you are to doing it, you know, back to back. Um, there's about a hundred episodes and if you not counting all of the extra stuff, so a hundred episodes of the main ones. And then there's a few little side stories like Lydia's blog Mm -hmm. and, um, Gigi's stuff at Pemberley digital and all Mm -hmm. these little side things that they have. Um, but and then each episode is only about three minutes long. I would say the mm-hmm. average video is like three minutes. Yeah, They're really short. I'd say three to five on average, with yeah. a few, let's call them gratuitous episodes. Around <laughs> seven. Yeah. Where, well, they get to be seven minutes long. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so you can you can binge it pretty fast. It looks intimidating at first, but you can get through them pretty fast because they're really short episodes. Um, and unlike us, who had to wait for each episode that only went on twice a week, you know, you mm-hmm. could just go through the whole thing. Yeah, 
kids these days. No patience. I know. (laughs) Uh, Before we dive into sort of like the big main topics and get into the nitty gritty of the show itself, um, do you want to talk about like why you wanted to do Lizzie Bennett and, you know, the personal connection that you have to the material? I would. Yes. Thank you. It's a a cool moment for me to be talking about Lizzie Bennett Diaries, actually, because um, actually around at the time of this recording, so like basically today, uh, marks the 10 year anniversary since my mom died. Mm. Um, She had a five year battle with lung cancer and she was just incredibly brave and patient um, basically until the end. Um, and so for me, that loss, it wasn't just about losing her, but like that milestone kicked off this 10 year journey for me that includes deconstruction. It includes a lot of different things, um, that I'll get to as we go, as we go. But Mm -hmm. what was really interesting about LBD was that, so when my mom died, Actually, only a few months later, I got the surprise of getting pregnant with my first son, which was kind of an ultra surprise because I had, so we, you guys have already talked about arranged marriages yeah, um, and the nature of those on the show. Yes. So I was still long distance with my then husband, um, Oh my God. We got married that summer. My mom passed away in October. I went to visit him in December. We were together a week. Boom, baby. Wow. And it was like, I, so I am, uh, I have only one sibling and he's special needs. So when my mom passed and my dad had passed way before, um, my brother became my legal responsibility and everything, my mom's affairs became my legal responsibility. And I don't know if you've gotten into this on the podcast. I don't think you have, but like a lot of our parents are not all that well prepared for the future because they are working so hard as right. followers of Reverend Moon to like give, 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 right. um, especially financially. And they're mm-hmm. not really well prepared for, for their later years. Um, and so a lot of it kind of just came all onto my shoulders and it was really intense. And then to find out that I was pregnant too, was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> Are you? And of course the rhetoric in the church is like, Oh God, only gifts that you can handle. And I'm like, right. I think I'm getting a bum deal here. Yeah. Um, I don't know what God's deal is, but <laughs> it seems a little excessive, especially like all at once. And then the decision became like, oh, do I move or do I stay in America? Because my right. then husband at the time, he was in med school in Switzerland. So long story short, the decision I took was, oh, let me just go and be with him. Um, let him be with his kid. Let my kid be with his dad. My brother will take care of himself my happiness was kind of an afterthought, but it was like, all right, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And I landed and I was staying with my in-laws, gave birth to this baby. Cause I I flew over seven months pregnant with my my baby, um, gave birth. And then it was at that moment when everything slowed down and 
you know, those first three months after a baby's born are, you know, you're just not sleeping much or you're just gathering sleep whenever you can. The night is day, day is night. And I felt really, really isolated. Um, Mm. My whole world had turned upside down. And so what happened with LBD was like, it was, it started to come out and there were episodes and I found out about it. Don't even remember how, but what was beautiful about LBD was that in the middle of like breastfeeding at two in the morning and hardly seeing any other people, barely not speaking the local language, here was this little show that for five minute chunks made me feel like I belonged to something, which Mm. when you lose a parent, I mean, you kind of feel like you've lost this like little niche where you belong, this little, I don't know, love pocket or. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and home too. Home is a part of that. And Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, in this weird way of the, like the world, this immersive world, maybe because it was the multimedia, it Mm -hmm. felt like this, this little place where I was being welcomed in. And I loved too that, so social media is that, of course, it like connects and disconnects people. But for the time being, it was like a lifeline for me to feel connected to people. And so connecting to you and fangirling and then the other friends that I was connected to at that moment in time was really meaningful for me um, because I felt so unintegrated yeah. in all the other aspects of my life. Um, so that's kind of the context. Yeah. And so I think that could be a good place to pause and sort of talk sure. about of the of how the story was told. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's so good to hear your story. I remember that time, and I remember going to your mother's sanghua, which is the Unification Church version of a funeral. And I remember purposely not wearing white. That was like my little rebellion. <laughs> Because uh, all the women are supposed to wear white to the yeah, so, this is the thing because we're not I, supposed to be sad about anything. Yeah, I wore like a <laughs> black plaid skirt and oh my a God. I have and to like photos. Yeah, and like a um like a cranberry red like top or something. I don't know why I remember it. I think it was because I was like I'm purposely not wearing white. To this. You rebel! Oh my god, <laughs> I was in my wedding dress. Like that was it was such a bizarre day. <laughs> I had been married in the same room four months. Oh my god! That. Yeah, and I had so I mean like. At the time, I was all in like bride mode, and I was like, "I'm gonna have a reception dress and a ceremony dress." So the the, yeah. the reception dress became the dress I wore to my mom's funeral. Wow! And the thing, like the whole theme we were running with is, "Oh, Beatrice, my mom, and and my dad, Mark, uh, who passed when I was three. Mm-hmm. Oh, they've not been together for twenty years, and now they get to be reunited in heaven." Yeah. So we were all like, "This, like, you know, you you that was the reframe." Right. This is like a glorious day of reunion. And we're not sad because we're not really disconnected from her at all. And that grief, for those who've experienced that kind of grief, you kind of coast on that frenetic, almost caffeinated energy Mm. um, for a while until you Mm -hmm. can't. And that's when the, the big wave washes over. At least that was my experience. And yeah. 
so there's no like I definitely don't remember what other people were wearing. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think there was any headspace for it, but I love that you do. And I'm totally going to go back and find those pictures and look at that front skirt and that cranberry red top. <laughs> yeah, like, that was like, we'd be here someday. I know we got here. We got here. Yeah. <laughs> you just had to find oh. your little moments, mm-hmm. even if they were small. Um, yeah. And I, uh, you know, it was not as drastic as an experience as you, but I definitely remember when um, LBD came out, I was at home with a baby and a toddler and like home all day. My husband was working crazy, crazy hours. And so I just, yeah, I remember it being one of those things that like kept my head above the water (laughs) that I could look forward to and that, yeah, kept me connected to people Um, because even if I wasn't in a foreign country, like I still sometimes felt completely like thousands of miles away from everyone, even if they were in the same town, because you're just, Mm -hmm. when you have kids at home, it's just a different world. Yeah, it really is. And then. I'm sure there were layers there that we couldn't even understand right. at that point that we can So now. true. So true. So true. So let's talk about those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So I feel like the first thing we got to talk about is all of the, the ways that they modernized this adaptation, mm-hmm. um, right? And some of those are really fun and silly and creative like it was always fun to watch uh knowing the story and then seeing like oh my god how are they gonna do this like what are they gonna what kind of spin are they gonna put on it um so that was always really fun and some of them were really you know made it super dramatic and and gave this whole other level to the story like Lydia's arc Mm -hmm. especially is you know the main one Mm -hmm. yeah Um, but you know, some of the fun ones are like, Darcy is basically a tech bro. (laughs) They, they set it in California, right? So Mm -hmm. Lizzie lives in Sacramento. Um, I think that's the area they mentioned a few times and then, yeah. Yeah. And then Darcy's back and forth from like San Francisco, um, or LA, they fly to LA. Jane goes back and forth to LA. The the bands go back and forth to LA. Yeah. So the, it's mostly uh, situated in California. Um, yeah, Darcy's like a tech bro. Uh, George Wickham is a swim coach, <laughs> I thought was genius. He's like, who, yeah, who who makes an appearance in Vegas? Yes, as one yes. does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, oh my god, I loved how they translated some of the characters into animals. <laughs> like Kitty Bennett was the cat. <laughs> and then um, uh, Annie, uh, Anne um, DeBerg, who in the novels, of course, is Catherine DeBerg's daughter. She becomes the little dog that <laughs> little, Anniekins. Snappy little pup. A little yapping, little yapper. Yeah, so there's like little, cute little things like that, that if you know the book, it it was just, you know, little uh, tidbits for the Jane Austen fans. Okay, yeah. Uh, that was always really fun. Completely agree. I love how clearly you could see that they had to make some decisions on casting mm-hmm. and keeping things simple production wise. 
And the fact that they were able to achieve those things while also maintaining like a sense of humor and like an homage to these things, like we're paying attention. We're just yeah. working on a tight budget, y'all. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, they, oh yeah. So then certain things, you know, taking, when you're taking something out of Regency England, right. In this time period, this, the, the stakes change, right. Cause it's mm-hmm. not about getting married or, or the same social structures around. So there was a lot of stuff around, uh, you know, jobs and Lizzie Bennett's arc a lot revolves around, uh, you know, her college and she's in grad school during it and she's vlogging and, and then the, you know, instead of the proposals, we have the jobs, you know, and, uh, uh, Darcy, he doesn't own a big fancy house. Well, he probably does own a big fancy house also, but yeah. <laughs> Pemberley, Pemberley is not the name of the house. Pemberley is the name of his company, Pemberley mm-hmm. Digital, which I always thought was really cute. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of really fun, fun things. Yeah. A uh, lot of fun updates to the content. Yes. Um, trying to think anything else that might be yeah, so the women aren't just waiting around, waiting to be engaged. Yeah, waiting to be pursued. They're out there. They have agency. They're pursuing things like, you know, Jane's getting into the fashion world and it's so yes. perfect for her. And um, they're all, yeah, they're all expected to to take that agency because this is 2021. That's what you do. Right. Um, but that there's also this, this tension around, well, some things you can't, like you can be doing your very best and still be having a really hard time. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It was really, really nice to see because I mean, I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Since you mentioned Jane, can we talk about Laura Spencer and uh, Christopher Sean who plays Bing? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. These guys are okay. My first, my first instinct is to say that they are couple goals. Yeah. In terms of cuteness, for sure. At least (laughs) I, yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'd say they have some work to do. (laughs) <laughs> that's part of the story communication that, that communication issues yeah a little bit a little bit a little bit yeah. of boundaries <laughs> yeah but but their cuteness is so it is just a joy to mm-hmm. to watch them take what we see on the page we see that there's a a very natural attraction and mm-hmm. like admiration for each other and then just ugh, the way that they communicate in their body language and, and then take, I'm, I'm tempted to not give too much away. I know. I know. There's, there's, a, there's a certain cookie. <laughs> that just snickerdoodles. Okay. There she, there, That's there. not, people know that there are always spoilers in this. We give yes, them a warning. True. This is true. spoilers. Okay. All right. Well, and we'll the deal. show has been out for nine years, guys. So and snickerdoodles is, is not a spoiler in and of itself. But it's yeah. True. Okay. So you, you know, guys, you know, <laughs> they've taken the word snickerdoodle and made it forever in my mind associated with this couple. 
But like, and, and we were talking modernizations. Let's also take a yes. minute to celebrate that the, 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 the casting and the yes. way that they wrote in multiple cultures into this yes. was so lovely. Like, I love how they took Mr. Bing Lee and turned him into Bing Lee and, so and good. bringing in Asian representation, Yes, which is so lacking and, and turning which into you have with Julia Lee. Cho too in the uh, yes. role of Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte Lou. Lou instead of Charlotte Lucas. And yeah, people talk about crazy rich Asians being this big vehicle for giving Asian actors and Asian characters space to be at, like admired and even like that you have attraction towards them, yes. not the, the, you know, the asexual Asian. Yes. Um, but LBT was doing it even before that. Yeah. I love that we have um, an Asian man as like a leading in a, in a, a really kind of heartthrob role. He is a heartthrob in this. Oh my goodness. He's such a cutie. And, and their chemistry together is so good. I think I told you even before I was like, I think it might even be a li- more, even more so than like Lizzie and Darcy. Yeah. I'm like, wow. these. <laughs> well, I think it, from just a character development perspective, I think it helps that they, they decided that they liked each other fairly early on. So they've had time right. to like anchor themselves and like, we like each other, which is right. And their characters, their characters are so sincere. Yeah. So they're not afraid to just be gushy <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Like, so cute. I, I hadn't thought to mention this, but I've now kind of experienced both-ish mm-hmm. in my own love life. And um, I feel like the, the Lizzie Darcy learning, like growing to appreciate, I feel like that was sort of what we were trained to aspire ourselves towards. Right. Like you might not see this person's positive points, but give it time and like do your best. I mean, obviously yeah. Lizzie and Darcy are not forced to like each other, but right. but their love sort of emerges from a place of like kind of giving each other a chance very slowly and incrementally. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jane and Darcy, they, they just were more compatible from, from the get go, or right. at, least, at least that they perceived it as such. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, to me, Lizzie and Darcy, the way that the, the challenges associated with kind of figuring each other out and learning to like each other reminds me of, the arranged marriage that I experienced, which I'm no longer in. And now having experienced other relationships were kind of from the word go. It's like, I like you. My other person, I like you too. Let's do something about it. And, and, uh, I don't know. I think we're, we're pretty gushy, which is, which is really fun. So it's so nice. Yeah. It's, it's nice to have experienced both. I do believe you can experience both in the same relationship as clearly Lizzie and Darcy do, but um, yeah, it's just fascinating. Sorry. As as someone who couldn't date. Yeah. Kind of, I'm, my world is still getting rocked a little bit uh, retroactively. (laughs) Like, oh. Oh yeah. Oh, the relationships can be different, huh? Anyway. Uh, yeah, I know. You yeah. feel like you're a teenager again and you're like, I'm in my 30s. Okay. <laughs> this is fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, I think in our notes, we were having a little bit of a, not quite a, a debate, not quite a mm-hmm. conflict, but like, 
I read that you were not too, it, you didn't quite gel with the, like the job proposal career. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Sure. It's not a huge thing. I just felt like, um, so instead of Lizzie, uh, uh, Mr. Collins, um, you know, proposing marriage to Lizzie, because like, obviously, that would be weird. In this version, mm-hmm. um, he proposes uh, to bring her on as business partner. And then of course, we know that she turns him down and Charlotte ends up taking that position. Um, so I didn't think the I, I thought the you know, changing it to a business partner thing was really fun and smart. And actually, that's one of my favorite episodes is the Mr. Collins uh, proposal scene. It's so good. It is <laughs> um, so good. Yeah. I also yeah. love the follow up with Charlotte. Yes. <laughs> I think that says so much. It conveys so much about her, but we're going to get into. Yes, we will. We will. Later. But I just uh, so when I was watching it, so really the the issue that I had was like, okay, now Charlotte is going to take the position. And then Lizzie's reaction to that, of course, is really overblown. Mm -hmm. And in the novels, I feel like it makes so much more sense for uh, Elizabeth to be incensed that like, how could you accept this person's proposal of marriage, right? Because it's marriage. Mm -hmm. And then when you change it to a job, I just feel like her overreaction is so much more of an overreaction because it's like, Lizzie, calm down. It's just a job. Like, mm. <laughs> why are you getting so upset about this? You know what I mean? Like, I just felt like mm-hmm. that tension was um, it didn't have as much of the high stakes as it does in the book. But yeah. like, it's OK. I f- It's like it's fine because we get bigger stakes and more drama down the line in other mm-hmm. ways that we didn't get in the book. And so like, right. I think it's fine and it works for the story. Um, but I just found it interesting that like, for me, I didn't get that same sort of payoff between the, the struggle between Charlotte and Lizzie, but I guess it does, you know, for me, it does bring out more of Elizabeth's. I feel like Elizabeth's flaws are highlighted much more in this version. Oh, like, yes. Just like, you know, the way that she reacts to Charlotte, the way that she uh, reacts with Lydia, um, you you see it even more than in in the original uh, novel. So so that's interesting, too. Yeah, I agree. Her her flaws are definitely more pronounced. Um, there is a big old spotlight shining on her her tendencies to judge people. Um, although I like what I liked about that particular piece is that to me it was not just about the job. Mm-hmm. Underneath that to me was her inner clash between feeling really, really passionate about a certain form of her profession, a certain aspect of her professional world. Because of course, Charlotte picked a job in the same field, but doing something arguably a lot less fulfilling. And so I think there we could see Lizzie's in Lizzie's passion for something that maybe is more around social impact or something like that, based on what she's on what she says, which I get being in the nonprofit sector. It's like, I've had people approach me and say, Hey, do you want to work for Philip Morris? And I was like, no, thanks. Um, yeah, I could be making quadruple what I make now, but like, not going to do it. Um, 
And I also, so I think there was this inner turmoil for her with like, okay, I'm super passionate. This is what I really, 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 really want to do. But then my family is financially in a really tough place. And what do I do? And so to me, like the over the top drama and wanting both those things for her friend and maybe projecting her situation onto her friend, it kind of worked for me. And I think it, that was just Lizzie busy, Lizzie busy, Lizzie (laughs) being Lizzie. Um, right. And really emphasizing that Lizzie's not Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. It does emphasize the difference in their characters. And then you get this sweet moment later on where Lizzie also kind of you realize that underneath all of that, too, is that she's like, I miss my friend and I don't want her to move away from me. Yeah, that too, because I love how the, it does. Yeah, there's this piece on on people moving and, and separation and finding that sense of belonging. And I definitely resonated with that at the time. It's like, why is everyone leaving? (laughs) And yeah, that's a real feeling that I'm sure all of us have felt or will feel at some point. Right. Yeah. Maybe not in that heightened state. Right. There's a lot of heightened drama and, (laughs) and uh, I think a great place where that, drama was played out and like processed mm-hmm. was probably arguably the most memorable aspect of Lizzie Bennet Diaries, which is the costume theater. Oh my gosh. The costume theater was legendary. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about it. <laughs> yes. Let's. It, I, I just love how Lizzie as part of, well, of course the production team, but putting this into Lizzie's character that they had her figure out that this is something that is just her way. Yeah, that rather than saying he said or she said that here's this method to very quickly and efficiently visually communicate all these things that happen that they definitely can't hire a cast for. Right. <laughs> yeah, or take you to all these different locales and situations and uh, yeah, I could totally see that being a thing that the Bennett sisters would do a bit like um, Little Women. Yes, yes. Right? In the attic, the always creating yeah. these plays and characters and dressing up. I can so totally see Lizzie, Jane, and Lydia, and occasionally Mary, yeah. doing that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was so fun. It was such a fun way to get to see these characters that are off screen uh, and you wouldn't be able to meet them otherwise, but you're seeing them so much more through Lizzie's eyes or the other characters' eyes, which is a really interesting experience. And it's also just really funny, like um, the way that Laura Spencer, Jane, does Darcy. (laughs) So... (laughs) It's great. Really She's such a good Darcy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, you get you get to have fun with it in these moments too, where Charlotte starts um she she taught you know interrupts Lizzie's video and she's like that's not how it went mm-hmm. let's do this again and I'll be you this time and you know you get to see from different characters points of view yeah I also think it would have been such a different type of thing if you had seen a lot of the the action that happens off stage is with like the parents mm-hmm. with Mr. And Mrs. Bennett. We never see them on screen. We never see a lady Catherine on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been such a different experience. It makes it feel much younger, it, more youthful, like this 
you know, teenager in their bedroom vlogging, even though she's mm-hmm. like 24 in this. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it just, it has that different, uh, a youthful kind of feel um, without the this sort of older generation cast in there. <laughs> completely, completely agree. It, it keeps it young. It keeps it very vibrant, very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, kind of like youthful drama. And I also think it was just a really effective way of underscoring the way that Jane puts it at one point, Lizzie sees what Lizzie sees. Yes. And that the costume theater is just this perfect visual representation of that, that this is her world and, and this is how she chooses to see things. And it just underscores that piece on how much of her life is dictated by that. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the second half of the series, Mm -hmm. you see how she starts to use it as a way to process things. Like there's one episode where she is doing costume theater with Darcy Uh and they're playing each other. And it's like she's playing Lizzie. He's playing Darcy. They're playing themselves, but they get to have this conversation in a in a play way it's a real conversation but they're doing it in this drama and so they sort of open up and are able to be honest in a way that they usually don't talk to each other so seeing moments like that and the way that they use it um is really interesting yeah that that episode um I'm just going to go ahead and call it out there in case it's not on our list but hypermediation and new media yes that didn't make it's it to a- my list because I didn't want to spoil it, but I hear your I hear what you're saying about those stories. <laughs> so we're just gonna drop that name there so that people can add that to our list of must-watch episodes. Yeah. Um, seeing that and, and hearing you describe it, what's going on in my brain is like, oh my God, how many conversations could I potentially have with people that I that are like challenging relationships for me if we did that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Costume theater. Oh my gosh, because yeah, that kind of hypothetical space that they create makes it possible for them to say things that would be really hard to say otherwise, or that take incredible amounts of courage. And it was really that episode and what they did there was this big turning point for them that makes everything else possible. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I was, um, just before this conversation, I was actually watching a, an interview with uh, Daniel Vincent Gord and Ashley Clements, who play Darcy and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And Daniel was saying that, you know, he was cast much later in the series. It had already been going by the time he was cast. And then he said, you know, I had all this great material to work off of for my character because people had been impersonating him. So I... <laughs> So I got, I had all these other people's different versions of who Darcy was. And then I, I sort of wanted to embody some of those things and then have a little bit of my own personality. So that was interesting to hear like how that affected his character. Um, And it's also such a great device in this novel where it's so, um, Uh, it's so much about everyone's different perceptions and how Mm -hmm. one person sees something completely differently. And we have all these different versions of Darcy and all of these different versions of Lizzie and how they Mm -hmm. appear through different people's eyes. Um, And of Lydia too. And Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This, 
this episode was on my honorable mentions. Um, the episode with Lydia and Mr. Collins when they're doing costume theater together. <laughs> that one is on my list because it's so funny. I feel like, oh, oh my gosh, it's absolutely exquisite. I love how this this yeah, this vehicle of costume theater is this tool that, yeah, okay, it's quote unquote Lizzie's tool for expressing, yeah. but everybody takes the reins at some point. Mm-hmm. Jane, Lydia, Darcy, um, even Mr. Collins sort of kind of, well, but it just is this incredible tool to, to express. Yeah. In a way, like in some moments, people are sort of caricatured, but they yeah. all get the opportunity to either th- through themselves and their own agency or a different person's vantage point. Like Jane, for yeah. example, is a little bit, a little bit more nuanced. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And Everybody Fitz, else's portrayals of Darcy is more nuanced. Like Fitz, right. when Fitz, you know, Fitz yeah. is Darcy's best friend. And when he does Darcy, it's different, you know, as opposed yeah. to, um, to Wickham, George Wickham's oh. version of Darcy is a totally different thing. So I love how they, throughout the whole series, they use this vehicle for people to pop in and 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 share. And you you get a glimpse in their minds of what they think these people are. And yeah. everybody has a chance to show their true colors. It's really good. It's a really fun device. I feel like it was something that was very YouTube as well. Yeah. <laughs> very much of that yeah. time yeah. <laughs> on YouTube. Uh, should we should we jump into Lydia? That's like the big, the big one. Yeah, I think we're there. I mean, I think by this point, for your listeners, they know the story, and so we've kind of covered where those different pieces show up in this version of affairs. So yeah, let's let's dig into Lydia. Right. So um, obviously, Lydia's story in the books is it's more of a dramatic. It, it a lot of it happens off screen, and it's more of a driving force for Lizzie and Darcy's story, right? Mm-hmm. It it becomes like a plot point that puts them into action, and you know, for her family and all of the repercussions around it. Um, but Lizzie Bennet Diaries did such a good job, I think, of creating. Lydia's character as multidimensional and really giving her a full arc, a full story, and really, spoiler alert, not having her end up with Wickham, which is just a, an amazing choice, a wonderful choice, mm-hmm. which I I don't think you could have had any other way in an, a modern adaptation, honestly. Or like um, a, an actually empowering feminist version which clearly the producers wanted right yeah so um and mary kate wiles who plays lydia bennett is so good she's Mm. so fun so funny and uh and yet she does this the dramatic turn so well too um so her arc is really great um she also has a so just plot wise basically the way that they change the plot is instead of uh you know her going off to brighton and eloping with (laughs) mr wickham um 
Lydia gets into a relationship with him. We we see a lot more of the seeds of it. Lydia has her own YouTube channel mm-hmm. and uh, George Wickham starts appearing on there and you get to watch their relationship develop, which is uh, gut-wrenching. It is a masterclass in narcissistic manipulation. Yes. What an emotionally abusive relationship looks like from start to hopefully finish. Yeah, it's it's pain, literally painful to watch. Yeah. I was cringing the entire time. It's mm-hmm. really hard to watch, um, especially if you're somebody who has experienced anything like that before, which a lot of women have. Um, it's yeah. I mean, uh, the actor who plays George Wickham, Wes. Wes Adderhold, he's really good. He plays this part so well. Like he's really believable. Yeah. <laughs> he's a really awful person. Yep. He, he plays the character super well. He's got a good bod for it too. Yes. And, Smoking uh, hot. But his but his ability to not just manipulate through, of course, from his character to these characters. But even going so far as to the way he engages with the camera to manipulate and to get to try and like hook people and get them on his side, which is, of course, a a classic tool that narcissists will use of like really gaslighting and and working on one person Mm -hmm. um, while while achieving this perception of being perfectly likable and perfectly understandable what they're doing because of course they had to do it and that person what is up with them it's yeah yeah that's fascinating yeah yeah so and I maybe I shouldn't spoil like the big dramatic Mm -hmm. thing but you know basically you see this you see this emotionally abusive um relationship evolve and uh, eventually Lydia is able to get out of it you know mm-hmm. George Wickham's you know Darcy saves the day spoiler alert <laughs> yes. um, and uh George Wickham runs off I you know and and then we get to see Lydia the aftermath of that you know it doesn't stop there we get to see the aftermath of her processing what happened her relationship with her sisters um so yeah i just think it was amazing that you know this is this is lydia's redemption story in a lot of ways yeah um i wish the only thing i wish is that George, we would find out what happens to George Wickham yeah. because it just seems like he disappears and Darcy buys him off. Yeah, he just you know, like he does, off. and he still gets away with with it, which in a way is like very realistic. Yeah, <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Um, in the same way that in the same way that in the book, it's realistic that like mm-hmm. they kind of patch things over and and buy them off and and yeah. just push things under the rug and that there's never really a real um, accountability there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I think there are, it's, it's really nice how many aspects of the story have a nice, lovely tied in a bow ending. 
Yeah. But in a way, I think I, I have to give a kudos to the, the team for saying, okay, this is life. <laughs> in real life, not every not everything gets to have a bow on it at the end. Right. And having lived through stuff like that myself, and now I'm in a position that I, I work with a lot of victims of domestic violence, or I know a lot of them now. Um I can tell you that, yeah, more often than not, that's what happens. And it's right. it's really unfortunate. And I really appreciate that there are other characters in the world, like Gigi, for example, who, mm. who show how pervasive this can be and who show how abusers don't necessarily just abuse one person one time, that this can mm-hmm. be a recurring situation. Um and that it sucks and coming together is how we get through it. It's really yeah. good if justice can be served. And when it can't or when it isn't, um, finding a place where you can feel safe and belonging is everything. It makes a huge yeah. difference. And you, I think you do get that sense with Lydia at the end you know, she's with her sisters and she's going to be okay. Like she's going to get through it. Um, And she's even, you know, she gives a little nod to like, she's going to get back to her bubbly self again. (laughs) It's just going to take some time. Yeah. It's a pretty, all things considered, it's a pretty happy ending for Lydia and for the family at large, which Mm -hmm. is pretty beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really great. Um, But definitely this story arc makes, especially the second half, much more weighty, much heavier. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it does a good job of like, you know, for a modern audience to understand those stakes, because us reading the novel of like, oh, she's eloping with Wickham and, you know, he like, I feel like it's harder for us to understand the stakes of that, Mm -hmm. but putting it in this modern context, it feels, oh, I get it now. (laughs) This this is probably a similar magnitude, the feeling that Jane Austen herself would have, and her audience, her contemporary audience would have been feeling for these characters in Mm -hmm. that situation. Um, in just a different social context. Exactly. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, the emotions are, are that's where, what brings us together. That's what makes the content last, why it's so durable. It's not just because we, we, we can understand the snark and the humor, but it's also, yeah, we've been in tricky situations, scary situations, situations where we question our judgment or where we've been manipulated or, felt like there was no other option. And yeah, those things are for better or worse. They are pretty universal. Yeah, for sure. It's universally acknowledged. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Are there any other like standouts or things that you want to just kind of highlight or mention before we go into like our top five episodes? (laughs) There is one last thing, which I want to mention, especially on your behalf. So I know that I, as a listener, as an avid listener, I know you have a soft spot for a certain character named Mary. Yeah. And this version of, of this depiction of Mary is so like, I totally get it. Yeah. I don't know if any other (laughs) listeners get it, but I get it. I get the Mary love. 
Yeah. Um, in the text itself, but also here. Uh, Yay! I'm so mine. glad. <laughs> yeah, I um when I was rewatching this, I was like, oh, I think this is where my crush for Mary came from, <laughs> to be honest. It's because I mean, um, do you have the the, the name for the actress? Yes, Coco so, sister. Yes, Brianna Coco, who is gorgeous and very talented. Mm-hmm. She's so funny in this. Um, and they give her so much to do, which is amazing and fun um she's not in a lot of the main episodes but they uh, they give on lydia's youtube channel they give lydia lydia stays with she's cousin mary in this version so lydia goes to stay with mary and they have this really funny like odd couple uh you know, blog for a while, the two of them together are really good. Um, where, so her in, in this version, Mary is cast as, uh, this straight edge emo girl, which is such a good take. <laughs> it's like works so well. Completely agree. <laughs> I love it. It's um, so good. It's yeah. that kind of foil for Lydia and also such a great place to start to see the Lydia that Lizzie doesn't see. Mm. Like, yeah. she bounce, like the way that they bounce off of each other is a way that she and Lizzie can't. And ugh, Right. So yeah. And they form this really sweet connection and friendship. Um, when she starts dating Edward, I'm like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> that part. Yeah, they threw in some they threw in some Mans- Mansfield Park like references, which I appreciate as a Jane Austen fan. But, yeah. you know, no. no thanks um uh but yeah i love i love mary in this version and i'm glad that you love her too i i would even go so far as to say how could you not uh but i mean people are gonna have to form their own their own opinions i unfortunately don't have a mary episode in my top five my Mm. list of so let me, maybe it's best that we explain to listeners what we were going for. Yes, so, yes. like, so there may be some people among you who are not ready to go into a full on binge of the show just by taking our word for it. Um, but you might want to kind of dip your toe in and feel around and see like, is this a fit for me? And so my suggestion to Laurel was that a bit like the Harry Potter episode, which I loved. I love you guys put on your sorting hats. Um, <laughs> That in a similar style, like you and I could both go off and do our own top five lists, list of top five episodes that we think would be a good place to start to kind of poke into and see if it feels right for you. Yeah, I um, so uh, I did my list a little bit differently, Okay, although I still think it's good places I just did. I was like, "What are the episodes that I find really fun?" And (laughs) I think think it's great. I I think it's yeah. So, but I think it's good that we have both. Um, And I and I think you can you can dip in and out of these two without Mm -hmm. without much. Yeah. Um, So uh, let's do it. Mine are not in like 
order of like, you know, one to five being the best or anything. They're just in chronological order, really. Um, So the first episode, this was like a tie for me because I love all of the Netherfield episodes when they're when they're visiting at Netherfield. Um, And we we haven't talked about her yet, but uh, the actress who plays Charlotte is so good. Oh, we'll talk about Charlotte, but do you mean Charlotte or do you oh, mean no, Charlotte? No, um, sorry, the actress who plays Caroline is so good. Yeah. Um, Jessica Jade Andres, she's such a, she's so good in this part. She's like the perfect frenemy. She's uh, gorgeous. Gorgeous. But the way she delivers the lines as well as all of her body language. Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. So good. She's so good. So I have um, I have two episodes that were like tied for me in this okay. and they feature her and Lizzie. So it's the um, episodes 31 and 32, which is the convertible car pool and turn about the room, which, oh. you know, some of these scenes are some of my favorites in the novel, too. So you mm-hmm. get a lot of callbacks to the novel of like when they take a turn about the room and these, you know, fun conversations with Darcy and the banter. But you see uh, Caroline getting in on the costume theater a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the carpool one, you see this conflict with uh, uh, Bing comes in and they're like, oh, we're going to go to the vineyard and we're taking the town car. And then Charlotte's like, oh, what? I thought we were taking the other car that only fits four people. Like, it's obvious that she doesn't want Lizzie to go. Uh-huh. And Lizzie's like, no, I don't want to go. Darcy Darcy wants to take the bigger car. So there's this little, you know, they turn it into like how much Darcy wants to include Lizzie. But mm-hmm. anyway, it's it's, you know, these cute little Easter eggs. Um, and then turn about the room. You really get to see uh, in in these episodes, Charlotte is really... Um, befriending Lizzie and you see this like frenemy relationship developing and she's just uh, encouraging Lizzie to badmouth Darcy as much as possible and like when Lizzie she's like and then what happened tell them (laughs) and uh, when Lizzie starts going off about how much she hates Darcy just watch uh, Caroline's face she's like loving it she's like yes keep going (laughs) yeah so so good you see the oh god what are we wanting I don't even know what to call it but you you see she thinks she has a great poker face yeah she really doesn't <laughs> no. um, but it's, it's so perfect. obvious that she's doing like this evil maniacal plan <laughs> yes so good. I don't know if those are the episodes where you can see where she's playing bing is yes, that yes yes okay yeah, so the carpool one she's playing bing but she doesn't want it to mess with her hair <laughs> yes so playing bing with his little his little costume piece and yeah. then Lizzie acknowledges that, like Lizzie, Lizzie as Darcy, Darcy. yes, Lizzie's playing Darcy, Darcy. and she, like, I love the body, the body, the way she responds of like, yeah, you're right, I'm exactly that, and it's yeah. just her transparency while thinking that she's so cunning, yeah, and kind of is. It's just golden. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. So I love that you that you spotlighted Caroline in there. Yeah. I think she's perfectly cast for this role. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. Okay, what what's your first? Okay. 
This was really hard, actually. I thought this was so hard. Oh my God. So hard. And so I don't think, well, the beauty of it is I don't think you can really go wrong. I think, I mean, unless someone really wants to be a purist about it and be like, no spoilers. Yeah. (laughs) Which if that's the case, you should not listen to this episode. You should have just gone and watched it first. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. I just had this moment in my head where, so you'll get this Laurel, that Mary, that moment where she kind of freaks out about something on an episode. I just had, I just imagined her saying, no spoilers. (laughs) Sorry. Just inside yeah death. sorry guys um, <laughs> don't worry that one's on my list <laughs> okay good um okay so I have I, I was trying to be a little bit purist and not give too many spoilers away and I personally was not I I decided to not show Darcy yeah because personally I feel that if you're gonna invest maybe this is my inner like the vestiges of my cult's purity (laughs) coming around. But like, if you're gonna get Darcy, you gotta commit guys. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The rest of us who watched it from the beginning did not get to see Darcy at all. Until the first half of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They were even more than halfway. I it's episode, it's episode 60 where you see him. Mm -hmm. Don't go episode 60 that right is away. on the anti list you guys that's the do not watch unless you're don't ready to do it, it. <laughs> no I mean you can do whatever you want but <laughs> so okay so my approach was I felt it was really important to give people a dip into the characters and so you yeah. really um identify like you really explain Caroline well which is amazing and I did not include her um for me the primary characters I really wanted to give people a a toe dip into were the three main characters, not the three main characters, but the three Bennett sisters. Yeah. So I feel episode two is even more important than episode one Mm, because episode one is very in media rest. You're very just kind of thrown in. Uh, Whereas the second episode, my sisters just shows yeah, it's it's a quite a useful display of how Lizzie perceives her sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would pair that with episode 12, uh, which is called Jane Chimes In. And mm-hmm. there you're getting Jane's, her take on most of the characters uh, that Lizzie's portrayed. And it's already, you're getting a little sense of like, oh, okay, so this is how Lizzie sees the world. And here are how some other people see it. And in the process, you're getting to know all these characters so much better in just a few minutes. Um, I also really liked the Netherfield chunk there. Um, I was toying with how many characters do I want to get, let people see. And so I went with episode 34, Lizzie come home Although I think in retrospect, I kind of prefer your episodes, but I do <laughs> like how the Netherfield episodes pack into a really short period of time, a lot of character development, a lot mm-hmm. of fun and yeah, all, all kinds of good stuff. So the next I, the next episode I had on my list was episode 39, the insistent proposal with the infamous proposal scene between Mr. Collins and uh-huh. Lizzie. Um, on my honorable mentions list was the first time that we see Mr. Collins, which is episode 25, and they're at VidCon, mm-hmm. um, which is such a funny... Okay, so Maxwell Glick is the actor who plays him. He is 
hilarious. Yep. He's so funny. This is the funniest version of Mr. Collins I've ever seen. Like he's so enjoyable to watch any scene that he's in. <laughs> Completely agree. Maxwell Glick did a hugely, I think he did Mr. Collins a huge service, a huge Absolutely. benefit. I think he is the most for like, he's, he's so annoying and yeah. he's also probably the most tolerable yeah. Even likable version yes. of Mr. He's, Collins I've ever seen. He has this really endearing quality to him that's like a you know, kind of Yes, it's like, oh, he's being annoying, but that's Mr. Here Collins. He like, yeah. You know, in episode 25, when he first comes to VidCon, mm -hmm. um, like his dialogue there is so good. It's so well written, so funny, and it's just like, Ricky, what are you doing here? Call me Mr. Collins. Like <laughs> So funny. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> um, but episode 39 is the infamous proposal scene. And I love how, th how they play with the audience's expectations. Because if you know the book, obviously, you're like, this is a, a marriage proposal scene. Mm -hmm. Like, are they actually going to do this? And, you know, he takes her hand and she's like, what is this happening? And as the audience, you're like, oh, my God, are they actually going to do this? Uh -huh. And then. And then they flip it on its head and he's asking her to be a business partner, which yeah. is a great uh, laugh. And then like the uh, when she keeps saying no and he keeps pulling out the envelopes and they keep getting bigger. <laughs> like the sight <laughs> gag is just so yeah. good. It's so funny. It was I love so that good. I love that you <laughs> added that because it's true. It It, it is such a great... Um, it's such a great illustration and such a great condensed look at this modernization of the story, everything that we've talked about already, the stakes, um, while just being incredibly, it's just, it's hilarious. And, so the, and the way they built his character, it, it, you could totally see this character doing just that. There was yeah. nothing out of character about it or over the top because he's just over the top all the time. Right. So Yeah super super good and i think that episode pairs really well with your honorable mention which is on my list lydia versus mr collins episode yes. 37 because it says so much in such a con in such a just a perfect little episode <laughs> of what am i watching <laughs> Again, it's it's similar to the like Mary Lydia dynamic where you get this mm -hmm. odd couple, Lydia yeah. and Mr. Collins in the room together mm -hmm. having these fun scenes, which I think is such like a this this plays to the, you know, fanfic version of this where this story where the creators really just played mm -hmm. with, you know, because these little these characters are not really together so much in the actual novel. Not at but, all there's so much room to expand on the the side characters and to give them these 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 little scenes together that you wouldn't otherwise get it's it's so much fun yeah that's yeah, a much great like episode. we only hear tiny little bits about what jane in the novel thinks yes. of Darcy, but the way that she literally plays in costume theater as we were describing before of darcy it's, yeah. it's so perfect and this episode is another great example of how much more you can get to know a certain character by juxtaposing them with someone they wouldn't normally be with. So yeah, hundred yeah, percent to that. Yeah. Love that one. So good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, my next, the next one on my list is 
not episode 60, but episode 59. Mm. So it is the cliffhanger episode. And I just, I, I couldn't not, it's so good. Like this is the episode that I would want to rewatch again. Um, the episode that I was like, ah, it's <laughs> happening. <laughs> yep. Um, so, uh, this is basically where Lizzie has just found out, uh, that Darcy has sabotaged Jane and, Bing and so she's so mad at him and she's just going uh, playing to the camera I can't stand him I hate him if I never see him again and then you get the knock on the door where he comes in and you're just like ah and then it cuts out such a cliffhanger and she calls him a sociopathic robot it's a great episode (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a good one I I like that you went I appreciate your edge here Miss straight edge. I understand why you like Mary here because (laughs) yeah, because I appreciate that you, I I was playing a little soft with my list of like, okay, you know, maybe they can can kind of come to their own conclusions. I like how you're like, no, you're going to like it. And here's why. Um, Or maybe you won't, but you'll, you'll have had a good time in the process. So I love that you mentioned the sociopathic robot piece because I, my last episode choice was episode 55, Robot Surprise, which to me plays, so you're seeing LBD doesn't travel an enormous amount in terms of their, their set locations, Um, but the story definitely does travel. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is one instance where, yes, they are out of Lizzie's room and they're, uh, they're going places. And so now we're in the the offices of Collins and Collins, which is just, yeah. And uh, we're, we're in a different space and we're seeing, so we're seeing this different, slightly different side of Lizzie because she's in this new environment with these different characters mm-hmm. um, as well as recurring characters. And, and I thought this one did a good job of showing how she feels about Darcy, which I think is an important piece to cover uh, if you're going to toe dip while showing just kind of this, ridiculous side of Lizzie. So, but I like how your choice took it a step further and said like, she hates you, dude. Is, is, is 55 one of the ones with Fitz? Um, Fitz does not feature in this one. I think it's before she's just getting to know Fitz. Oh yeah. He comes in after some of the Fitz scenes are really funny. He, his episodes didn't make my list, but, um, honorable mentions right there. Yeah. Honorable mentions. Craig Frank, who plays Fitz Williams is really good and really fun. Um, and all of his, any of the episodes that he's in are really enjoyable. He's a really fun character. And he's so such a great addition to the story and humanizing Darcy, but also creating this kind of bridge between Darcy and Lizzie and slowly moving things in that direction. And he's a gay black man in this series. Mm -hmm. Like talk about representation. (laughs) Absolutely. It was so good. So good to see the diversity on this. Yeah. And this old Regency. Well, I mean, we know, we know it. (laughs) It's not, it it never felt dusty. Uh, it never no. was dusty as a text. That's the beauty yeah. of Jane Austen. But this is a place where a little dust could be dust, uh, you know, brushed off and right. Just made it all the better. So fun. Um, so my next episode is episode seventy two. Mary, 
It's all about Mary. So this is one of the only times that Mary features in the regular episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the party. It's when Lydia, it's Lydia's birthday party. And they're have, she's having a party at the house. And Mary comes to hide in Lizzie's room. And then L- Lizzie has Mary do the costume theater with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get to see uh, this scene, which is a really fun scene to see of her confronting George Wickham and her playing Wickham and then she uh Mary's playing Lizzie and she does this really funny like bad acting and then overacting thing and she's so cute in it it's It's really so good it's so (laughs) Mary it is everything I love that you included that episode and I was gonna say like we can't go to the second half but that one that one gets to be in the list because I love how it's it's in it's getting towards the latter half of the story without getting into an arc that really needs to be experienced from start to finish. You can't right. toe dip in that in the deep end. Um, you gotta you gotta work your way into that. But I think all of these episodes do that a good job of that. Yeah, that this the the Mary episode is kind of a, a fun you get these episodes every once in a while that are just sort of a break mm-hmm. and and you get to have a little bit of fun and play mm-hmm. um, instead of it just being uh, something that's moving the forward action along yeah. or aligning perfectly with the plot. So um, we all need yeah. a break. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it gets intense. It does get intense for a while, and Mary is just such a wonderful character for giving us a breather, much like Mr. Collins in a totally different yeah. way. Yeah, for sure. I don't think they ever, that's unfortunate that they never really got to cross paths. Oh, Mary and Mr. Collins? Uh huh. They would be really funny together. I would totally watch that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love that. But you can't yeah. do it all. Yeah. Uh, in the um, the fi- episode 59, too, uh, you also see Mr. Collins and Charlotte's in that episode for a little bit, too. They're in the mm-hmm. Halloween costumes. Oh, it's yes! staff spirit. Yeah. <laughs> and you get to see Charlotte and Mr. Collins interact a little bit, too. Oh, um, so that- good. They have yeah. a wonderful dynamic. They yeah. make so much, like they make sense together in ways that Lizzie <laughs> and Mr. Collins never could. And it's just right. so good. Yeah. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. What's the last, did you do your last one? I what's did. the last one? I did. That was, oh, okay. I'm, I'm behind. So the last one on my list is, I wanted to highlight this because I think it's such a good episode, but you might not want to watch it. Like, I feel like it is one that you do need to experience the whole arc of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you shouldn't use this one as a like, I'm dipping my toe in and we'll see what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did want to highlight this episode, um, episode 87, where Lydia utterly breaks our hearts. Um, this is after the whole George Wickham debacle and uh she she breaks down with Lizzie and they hug and there's it's just uh the acting is so good the writing is so good like it's and it feels so real I cried watching this episode it was it was really uh really well done and I just wanted to highlight that as like a wow like they did such a good job with this Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and add some honorable men uh, one honorable mention too because oh, okay, two. Let's let's be honest. Um, <laughs> so since yeah, okay, so I'll give I'll give you that to go a little bit deeper to say like yes, this episode deserves to be recognized. I, I mm-hmm. agree with you there there, but I also agree with your 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 labeling it as yeah, treat this one with some treat this episode carefully it's it's yeah. precious watch it respecting just it like it. just like this episode is you know you're gonna watch the whole series so yeah. watch the whole series and then yeah. when you get to this episode 87 you're gonna understand yeah like, enjoy it and like yeah. do yourself a favor if you're gonna watch 87 and and I'm gonna add to that list 97 and 98 mm. Um, if you're going to watch those, please <laughs> do yourself the favor of watching the whole thing because you'll, yeah. you'll thank us later. Yeah. So, and just to, and to, watch Lydia's videos too, because yeah, please, please, even, please. even yes. though they're really hard, they get hard to watch, but they're, they add so much depth to the story. Mm-hmm. So she's her own, she's on her own YouTube channel, to, but you'll find it. And there are plenty of playlists out there that show, that include all of these other subs. Yes accounts and so forth. Um, but just to briefly mention 97 is when we mm-hmm. get to kind of close the story of Jane and Bing. Yeah. And I loved this so much. I think anyone who has been in or wants a healthy relationship will just be cheering for these guys because they finally build that for each other and themselves. Mm-hmm. They figure yeah. out what healthy relationships mean. It means with starting with yourself. And I mm-hmm. really like, I just cheer Jane on this whole time. And then 98 is the beginnings of that for Lizzie and Darcy. And yeah. along with the little uh, uh, stuff. <laughs> I thought you were Chinese. <laughs> yeah. So good. You'll get it later, you guys. Oh, it's like so when good. she said that, I was like, that's like the carry the watermelon in yes. Dirty Dancing. I carried a watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were Chinese. <sighs> so good. Yeah, instead of a watermelon, it's honey walnut shrimp. And, um, <laughs> so good, you guys. So, yeah, in case you haven't figured it out by now, over an hour in, we really like this. <laughs> We're big time fangirls. We're we're really into it. Yeah. Some of my other honorable mentions um, were uh, I really love episode 96 where Caroline comes back and she is playing the role of Lady Catherine. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was a really good twist and liked the way that they did that. I love Darcy's costume theater when we finally get Darcy in. (laughs) So he good. Does, he's, he does some really funny uh, bits yeah, there. So Ooh. good. And um, episode seventy-eight, the Lizzie trap. Uh, this is when Gigi, uh, who G- Georgiana Darcy, Gigi like push is stalling Lizzie because she knows her brother's coming. <laughs> yeah. And then Gigi like pushes him into the room and locks the doors. I just need help with my math homework. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. Um, so funny um she's uh, this actress is really fun too and she's really sweet and Mm -hmm. uh you know gets a much bigger role obviously in this than in the book which is fun and then and she's also 
uh, like a representation of the audience here because she's such a fangirl for Lizzie and she's watched her videos and she knows that Darcy likes her and she's playing matchmaker. It's really cute. So it's that was a fun so one cute. Too. I love that Fitz <laughs> becomes her her sidekick in this process. Yes. And yes. you see it on Twitter and oh, it's very good. Um, and to that end, I also would add one last honorable mention for me uh, for the episode when Gigi tells her story yes um about the things that she's been through and the pain that she's experienced and the fact mm-hmm. that she's able to express her resilience and her ability to find joy um after that experience i really resonated with that and i think a lot of people will will get it and it's yeah. beautiful to see the support and the way that she feels safe with lizzie mm-hmm. to share that part of the story and to share that with the world um I think it's just so beautiful. And for anyone who's ever been through something tough, but didn't know it was, wasn't necessarily sure for a while, if it was safe to talk about that hard time to then be able to reach a place where you can share your story. And by doing so own your story, um, it's just such a powerful moment, regardless of the subject matter. And I really loved that that was part of the story too. Yeah. I think it's such a powerful decision too. The way that they work in the the letter, the information that, you know, Lizzie gets in the letter, she doesn't share that right away mm-hmm. with the audience. Yeah. All that we know is that she's changed her mind. And then later the little bits of information come out. And uh we don't learn Gigi's story until Gigi tells it herself. And that's such an empowering thing for her to be able to tell her own story. Yeah. Um and I think that was a great choice. I I just completely champion and celebrate that that decision because that you know when I I think when when Jane Austen was writing her book I think that was her way of of talking mm-hmm. about what she could and and speaking out about what she could. Yeah. And I feel so grateful to be living in 2021 where it is getting more and more safe. I can't, I mean, as, as a, as a person who benefits from white privilege, I can't speak for many people who don't have it as easy as I do, but mm-hmm. I feel like with social media, with the internet, it is getting easier to speak up and say, Hey, this is what I've been through. And right. we need to talk about this as a society. Um, but I love how Lizzie Bennett diaries shows this modernized version of like people deal with people get hit with hard shit. And yeah. And if we have the space in the arena to tell our stories, um, we all benefit. Yeah. And you really get to see the parallel between Gigi and Lydia too. Mm-hmm. So much more in this. Yeah. Um, which I, I think also helps Lizzie realize yes. and begin to change that. Okay. I have not seen this side of my sister. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And yeah, yes, yes. And just like the the source (laughs) material, people realize that they can be doing things differently. And then they realize they can be seeing each other differently. And then everyone gets, well, everyone who, who dares to go there benefits from it. And like, as someone who lived in a, in a, you know, grew up in a, in a place where that wasn't really taught, we weren't really taught how to do that yeah. we to tolerate each other's tendencies that weren't okay. And 
now it, it just, I feel like now having deconstructed, it's all of this, this whole process just means more now. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Yeah. It's really, yeah. It's really great. It's really fun. It was really fun rewatching these episodes. Yeah. I um, I have to say, I do have a least favorite episode. Yeah. And that is episode 19, the green beans and cranberry jello. Well, maybe they were taking notes about all the white soup. I think that's what it is. I think it's an analog for the white soup. Very well, maybe. That's heinous. Like, is that a thing? No, it's not. It can't be a thing. Oh, it, it was so gross. And then she's, I just, I have a thing about Jello. I can't watch and she's eating it. No, skip episode <laughs> 19 if you've got a Jello phobia like me. <laughs> it's such a convoluted plan, too. She's like, she's going to carry the Jello in the rain and then it runs down her shirt so or something bad. like what is this? It's not a good, it's this not a good not, No, no. And the only other piece we were, this came up in our notes too. The only thing that was like a, th- a big thumbs down for me too, was that Lizzie, some of her slut shaming is really uncool. Yes. And yeah. I, it would have been nicer to see her be a little bit less shaming. Um, yeah. but so that's obviously not episode specific, although you see it from episode one. Um, it's throughout. It's throughout. It's yeah. Throughout. So I think it's worth being aware of going in that this is this is a depiction of Lizzie at the start of things. Yes, she's judgmental, and yes, she's able to move past that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the slut shaming. I was actually really shocked at how much it was or how prevalent it was, and I think the first time that I watched it, I was still in more of that like churchy mentality or right? mm-hmm. the purity culture grip where yeah. you're like yeah Lydia you should behave better you should you know yeah. what I mean <laughs> and you kind what of do you expect people to think when you're dressed like that and uh, yeah all that rhetoric so gross mm-hmm. so gross and so watching it back now I'm like yeah I'm really cringing at those moments and being sure. like oh no <laughs> poor, you know poor Lydia and and you know really seeing the way that that Lizzie is being really judgmental and really unfair to Lydia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but you see Jane, Jane's like, don't talk about Lydia like that. You know, yeah, yeah. she comes in and defends her. So, so that's good. But I think, I don't, I don't know if you could do that in the same way today. Like if this show were um, like, I know it, it does serve a purpose and it for Lydia's growth and to see her grow, but I feel, I don't know if, I don't know if you could do it today in the same way. I mean, maybe if you're like on Fox, (laughs) (laughs) maybe, but uh, yeah, no, I don't think that's where the producers. Yeah. I don't think it would fly. I think these, I think all the zoomers, all the Gen Z would, would be on top of it. They'd be Mm -hmm. like, no, stop slut shaming Lydia. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cancel Lizzie Bennett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But overall, I mean, with the exception of green beans and cranberry jello and yeah. slut shaming, I mean, this is a pretty solid piece of work here that I think yeah. you and I both stand behind pretty strongly as worth it. Yeah, I think it's worth it. It's a really fun adaptation. 
Um, there's a lot of really fun things. Like we didn't even touch on all of the stuff. Like there's so much fun stuff fun things to consume. And again, also it's just being part of that world. You feel mm-hmm. like you're really immersed in it. Yeah. At the time you could follow the characters on Twitter. Um, you could see them doing stuff behind the scenes. Um, Jane used to have a fashion a Pinterest. Yeah, a fashion Pinterest. No, she yeah. had both. And uh, it was, yeah, it really made them feel like friends in a weird yeah. in the way that characters even in on the page can feel like friends yeah um, they they achieve that here as well with really strong writing and really a beautiful arc beautiful story that they told yeah and I you know I was really struck too by just how much a product of its time it was like again you know even just the topics like mm-hmm. I don't know if something like this could happen again in the way that it did yeah. now, um, in the way that it got so such a big audience. Even in the style of vlogging, I feel like this style of vlogging was such a big thing during that time, which mm-hmm. now like YouTube is and the internet is such a different landscape. It is. Um, so it really does bring you back to a simpler time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seems like the vlog brothers are kind of the only ones left doing that style, yeah. which is what makes them who they are. But yeah, mm-hmm. the rest of the world has moved on to much, much faster jump cuts. <laughs> much, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. These tiny reels and TikTok and right everything moves so fast now and it actually yeah I would love it it's kind of sad to think that maybe it couldn't be produced now although yeah I don't know what that says about us as a society but yeah I'm glad that it exists but it's here and it happened yeah glad it exists I I was just thinking watching uh this interview with uh, Daniel Vincent Gord, who plays Darcy, I was just thinking like, I bet there is a whole group of, you know, Gen Z people who were, you know, teenagers when this came out, that Daniel Vincent Gord is their first and favorite Darcy. And that makes me really happy. Like, I feel like, you know, there's so... In the Jane Austen world, there you know, there's two camps. There's the Matthew McFadden and there's the Colin Firths, and it's mm-hmm. like, wh- which one is your Darcy? And now we get to add a new Darcy to the DBG, list. Yeah, and another uh, generation. Um, yeah, if there's anybody out there who this is your favorite Darcy, let us know. <laughs> yep, he might be mine. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Darcy's that would really a complicated character for me in general. Yes. Yeah, that would really round out our podcast, honestly, because I'm uh, an M Mac girl, and Akina is for Colin Firth. Uh-huh. So you know, I can be I can be Team DVG. Yeah, for the representation purposes. I'm a little biased. My dad's from San Fran, so maybe that's maybe that's oh. it. But uh, the bow ties are really cute. The bow ties I mean. are cute. <laughs> and here, you know, I'm in Europe now. People wear scarves in the middle of summer. <laughs> and hills, you know, you 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 develop a certain appreciation for hills. I live in Lausanne, which is in, which is this town in Switzerland that goes from like a lakefront all the way up 
yeah, the, the elevation gets pretty high, pretty fast. It's yeah. rough, man. And yeah. so the I hills guess. in this city can be unforgiving. Yes. <laughs> Especially if you're pushing a stroller. Oh, oh my gosh. But um, <laughs> the views are nice. So yeah. yeah, no, I, I love that this thing exists. I love that this Darcy and all these characters exist and could give a new life to these characters or give them a new dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I love that it exists and that it exists even at that specific moment in time. I found myself with friends. I found myself not even realizing it with characters I hope to aspire towards. And now 10 years later, almost to the day or well, not quite about nine years since, uh, since LBD came out, but I am like, I'm so proud of myself for who I've become since that time. And I love that now having deconstructed more and more, it's like stories like this feel even more relevant. I can hold on to them even more strongly because like Mm -hmm. Lizzie is this kind of bananas character, but she's also so passionate and so like acting on her dreams. I've learned so much from exposing myself to characters like her um, and becoming more and more that kind of person and not just like, let's say a Jane who just kind of sees the good in everyone to, you know, even to a fault maybe, or like a Lydia Mm -hmm. who might be a bit overly impulsive and running towards things that look good, but can actually hurt you. Like I've been in all these characters places and now to have kind of integrated the three, because right. I I feel like these three Bennett sisters, if you put them together, you'd have like the most badass, amazing human, but none of us can be all of those things, but yeah. And you do get that sense in the last, I love that this, series gives us that in the end you get the three Bennett sisters together supporting each other yeah you know it's not Um, about the wedding bells and the lace it's about three sisters and Charlotte um coming together and, and yeah expressing that beautiful sisterhood yeah and they all get to go on their own journey they all get to change and learn lessons and uh, yeah, and then come back together again in this place that they belong. Um, so it's really beautiful. It totally is. I love that every character is relatable and can be someone to either aspire to or not aspire to. <laughs> just love to hate. Love to hate, hate to love. Um, and just they're just wonderfully good company in this thing called life. I love how characters can do that regardless of the format Mm -hmm. and what a testament to Jane Austen that she, these beautiful characters that she created can be just works of beauty. Yeah. Revived again and again. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Yay. So Kathleen, thank you so much for joining me and talking about the Lizzie Bennet diaries this was so fun. Um, do you want to um, talk about your own podcast or uh, point our listeners in a direction where they can find more about you or some just something that you care about and want to highlight? Sure. Oh my gosh. It's more like which ones to pick because <laughs> I'm kind of a Lizzie in this regard. I'm very like passionate about the things that I do. So I... 
uh, what, where do I even begin? So, well, let me talk about the podcast first and I'll, I'll see where yeah. I go from there. So yes, I have just recently launched a podcast that's been, I've been sitting on for like a year and just trying to find the courage to create this thing, which incidentally is exactly what the podcast is about. So it's called Create Imperfect Anyway. Um, because I know a lot of creative people really struggle to put stuff out there. That's definitely the case for me, hence the delay. Um, <laughs> but I kind of just needed to take a deep breath and do the thing, knowing that doing the thing was going to make it easier to do the thing again and again and again. Um, and so the premise of the podcast is to have conversations with different artists, regardless of like a lot of a lot of uh, podcasts lead with like the list of accolades that a guest has done. I kind of throw that on its head and say, "Hey, I'm going to talk to a human, and maybe mm. they've done things you've heard of, and maybe they haven't." Um, and we're all like, I want this to be a level playing field where there is no better or big, like more than or less than. No artist with a capital A or lowercase A. It's mm-hmm. just creatives. If you are creative, you are you're good enough to be here. Um, and having conversations just about that. And it's been such a beautiful journey to see that, um, that artists of all sizes and walks of life struggle with imperfection, perfectionism, uh, and the fear of putting yourself out there, or even just picking up the paintbrush or the the guitar or what Mm -hmm. have you. And my goal is to create just this library of like permission slips to go and do the thing and to create imperfectly anyway. So yeah, you can look for it at that name, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, as well as on social media, it's on Instagram and all that, that sort of thing. And yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I'm really happy to be joining this wonderful world of podcasting. And in addition to that, um, you can find me, my own Instagram is Kathleen underscore sublimates because I'm really into sublimation, which is taking sad, tough things and turning them into something beautiful, which is what I have the good fortune of doing even in a professional sense in the nonprofit I work with, which works with um, refugees and migrants. And I also get to work with domestic violence survivors and just be in this great, big, beautiful world of resilience. It's a wonderful place to be. That's so wonderful. All right. So everybody go check out Kathleen's podcast and all of her stuff. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us to fangirl over Lizzie Bezzett Diaries. (laughs) This was so fun. Thank you so much for for taking this crazy little idea of mine and running with it this far. It's been so fun to join and I can, well, I look forward to continuing to support you and Akina on this beautiful thing you've ba- you've made here. Thank you. Yay. Yay. I have to, um, we have to end this way. Na, 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 Yeah. Thank you. I love your brain. That was so good. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm going to leave links for Kathleen's podcast down in the description. So please go check that out and send us an email. Let us know how you liked this episode. Jane Austen, culturenight at gmail.com. Fangirl with us about uh, Lizzie.
Lizzie Bennett Diaries. Let us know your favorite episodes. 